Hey folks, welcome to another interview on the Ruby Dev Summit. Um, today I'm talking to uh, Alex Rudall. And uh, mm-hmm. Alex, we had you on Ruby Rogues a little bit ago. We were talking about uh, the OpenAI gem. And I think we talked a little bit about some of the business uh, stuff that you're doing as far as like consulting with companies about uh, using AI in their Ruby apps or Rails apps. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, there's just uh, yeah, there's so much interesting stuff going on in that space that I thought, okay, well, you know, if I'm going to be asking people, hey, what's the future of Ruby? Um, it feels like this is one area that we really can't ignore, mm-hmm. you know, even though traditionally Ruby's used sort of in other ways, right? It's used in uh, mostly web development, but you, you see it in other places as well. So, um, and then, then I know you're involved in other areas of the community too. So, um, I'm just going to start with our major premise question and we'll see where we go from there. But, um, what's, what, what in your, uh, mind is the future of Ruby? Yeah, sure. Um, well, firstly, thanks so much for having me on again. Um, I, re- I really enjoyed the last podcast we did. Um, and yeah, like you said, like I tend to think of myself as just a simple Rails developer. Um, but yeah, I maintain the OpenAI gem um, and the Anthropic um, API gem as well. Um, and I've done quite a lot of projects recently integrating with OpenAI um, and Ruby and Rails. Um, so I do have some opinions about that. Um, yeah, in terms of the future of Ruby, um, I did a little bit of research um, just before this, um, kind of mm-hmm. looking at HackerRank, and they put out reports on kind of programming language usage in interviews, um, I believe it is. Um, and the picture's not kind of amazing for Ruby there. Like, I think between 2021 and 2023, there was something like a 60% decline in the number of interviews, I, I think they said. I could be a bit wrong about the exact numbers, but it's something like that. Um, yeah, quite a significant decline um, in an environment where programming usage is increasing and the number of developers is increasing. Um, so, you know, I think there's this kind of perennial thing of like, is Ruby dead or dying? Um, and also, yeah, I think AI is going to be a huge part of what we do as developers in the future. Um, maybe that's obvious at this point. Um, maybe not. Um, but yeah, like the reasons that I originally cho- chose to work with Ruby and Rails uh, more than 10 years ago um, are two really like one is how human friendly I found it mm-hmm. when I was learning to code. Um, I did my Michael Hartle's Rails tutorial, which I think a lot of developers of my sort of yep. age did. Um, did building a clone of, of Twitter. Um, and if I was also trying to learn C sharp at that time, and I found Ruby so much more human friendly, so much more just like speaking English almost. Um, and I, I think, yeah, that's really important. That's one part of it. And the other side was community. I found the Ruby community so much more friendly on kind of forums, people I spoke to, conferences, even. I just found it so much more friendly and inclusive. And I, I think those two things, like community and being human friendly, are going to continue to be super important in the future. And, and there may be one way that Ruby can kind of stake a stake a place for itself in the future. Um, for example, with, with AI, 
it is likely that its programming abilities are going to get better over time. But my view is that humans will still kind of hold the keys to the real world and control kind of the money and what, what, what work gets done. Um, and therefore, I, I think there will still be a lot of value in having a language that is really nice for humans to use. Um, yeah, anyway, I've got actually a lot of thoughts on this, yeah. but... Yeah, well, let, let me tease some of this out because mm. um, I, I think there are three or four areas that you've touched on that that I'm kind of curious about. So mm. um, I hear people both in the business space and in the technology space um, that have all kinds of ranging opinions on how big a role uh, AI is going to play in the future at all, right? So mm -hmm. some people think that Hey, we've kind of found this sweet spot with like Chat GPT or Midjourney or things like that, right? Where it generates text or it generates a transcript, or you can give it a prompt and it'll give you an image back. But you know, we're we're eventually going to exhaust that, and AI, you know, may, may become faster and in some ways more intelligent. But then, you know, we're not ever going to get to a, a uh, artificial general intelligence or that we're not going to get to, you know, we're, we're going to find the limits of, of these applications that we already have for AI. And so mm -hmm. it's not going to be the big play, right? So it's going to be the big play for the next couple of years. And then after that, maybe it peters out or maybe we find another usage. So my question to you is, you know, how, how deeply do you see Ruby going into that space uh, to use some of these AI tools or applications, especially since you're writing the API or the the Ruby gem that ha helps you access those tools, right? It, is it going to become a major player or an indispensable part of your applications going forward on the web or other places? Or and, and why do you think that? Hmm. I, I think one thing that happens with a lot of discourse around AI is a sort of fatalism or like, and there's kind of this feeling of inevitability. Mm -hmm. But I think the reality is that we get to decide what happens, um, especially developers. I think we have such a big influence on the way a lot of people in the modern world live their lives, like the software we write, especially what goes on phones, um, gets used so much. Um, so yeah, obviously I don't know the future, but I, I think the answer is we get to decide um, and, and like particularly in the Ruby community, what makes a language successful is the open source contributions that people make and the quality of the community contributions. Um, and I'm seeing more and more people write open source libraries and right. even just API wrappers like I've written um, and kind of collaborating on that. And if, if the open source software is good enough, then people will be able to build startups quickly on top of it, um, successful businesses, and then they'll put money into it, more people will get jobs, and that increases the community. So I don't think it's a question of like, will we be, be a part of it or not? It's like, it's kind of up to us to decide right. whether we're committed to this language and, and the communities, and then the work that we can put out in that space. Um, and yeah, talking about general intelligence, like, I, I would say that 
probably artificial general intelligence will will happen um mm. but my my feeling is kind of optimism optimism around it like it's probably quite a long way off still and i i don't think i think there will be collaboration rather than opposition that would, that would be my guess um right yeah so so related to that then is the ability to integrate with some of these other systems like open ai is that going to become an indispensable skill for ruby developers in the future or are some people or i guess the majority of people coming into the field are they going to be able to skate by and say i'm not really interested in doing ai i would say it's going to be an an indispensable skill like it's 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 third-party integration now whether that's going to be big corporations like OpenAI or open source models um, that you can run yourself on your server. I, I suspect it'll be some combination okay. of the two. Um, but to me, yeah, at least having the ability to to think about how to plug that in is going to be huge. And I think there's so much scope for innovation. Like one, one client I work with showed me a, a new kind of UI that they built that is something I'd never seen anyone do before. And it, it, it's not that difficult using the OpenAI API. Um, I can't tell you exactly where it was, but right. I think there's so much opportunity to innovate using these tools, which like five years ago would have been unbelievable to most people. And I think Ruby, Rails, and, and JavaScript as well are really good languages to do that with. Right. So uh, you kind of alluded to the thing that I was going to ask next, which is um, we see a lot of people writing code in like Python or I've seen some stuff in Go and Rust, depending on how it, how things are put together, where they're actually building the engines that power the models that mm -hmm. people use for their AI. And I don't see a lot of that with Ruby. What I'm generally seeing is what you're talking about with like the OpenAI gem, mm -hmm. where you know I'm plugging into these existing systems. Is that where you see Ruby kind of sitting in the ecosystem of AI going forward? Um, it seems like Python kind of won that space by having the best libraries and having the biggest community. And it kind of snowballed over, I guess, the last 20 years to get to, get to the place where it is now. So, but no, I think there is a lot of opportunity for doing more more deeper integrations like that in Ruby, but you need people to write them. Um, and like, I'm not an ML expert in that sense. Like, I, that's not something that I would necessarily know how to do. Um, right. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think being able to build a startup quickly and build a business quickly is kind of the niche that rails really staked out um mm -hmm. and that's a super valuable place um and it would be really good to to be one of the top languages to build an ai startup in and i think that's that's feasible for ruby and rails um it just needs that that community and open source work behind it as well right so yeah i mean i guess i guess what i'm asking is 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 ruby just going to provide tooling for other ruby apps within the AI space, or are we going to go and start creating some of the things that exist in Python and other areas to, uh, you know, to, to have, yeah, to, to play in the space? 
Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. Like, it's, it's not something I've even considered trying because, you know, it's not my area. I've been a web developer for most of my mm-hmm. career and I can build a good integration. Right. But, but going that next level is not something I've done before. Um, it's something I'm interested in, but I think there'll be a steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that some people doing some things in that space. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's my answer. Nope, totally fair. So I'm also curious um as as ai continues to advance um i don't i don't even know if i want to get into like uh general intelligence or super intelligence just because i feel like that's an area that we haven't really cracked and i don't know if we have good answers for that maybe maybe you feel mm. different if you feel different tell me otherwise i'll ask a different question mm. um yeah if you had the well, everyone's got an opinion on Right. On that, right. Um, I, I actually, about 10 years ago, I wrote um, a novel about AI um, that kind of oh, ends nice. in the world, the world getting destroyed by the AI. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's not necessarily how I feel now. Um, but yeah, we, I, we don't I, I have Neo. There, no, there was no Neo, sadly. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, like I said, I think we get to create the future. Um, and we have the power to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you there. Um, I'm so I am curious. We, we see advancements on like we're getting GPT four. I'm starting to see people use uh, large language models that are based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, it generates text or generates code. We've seen tools that generate images or identify images. Um, you know, generate transcripts from audio. Um, you know, I've, I've heard AI generated um, sound clips, right? Where they mimic somebody's voice or things like that. Um, what do you think the next big innovation in, in AI is going to be? I, what I'm starting to see happen is a sort of commodification of some of the more common apps that people try and build. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like during 2023, there was this huge rush of people um, building like, you know, chat with my PDF type thing mm-hmm. or chatbots that integrate with OpenAI. But now I'm starting to see some companies come through with really good offerings, like bigger companies that kind of just solve that problem. And rather mm-hmm. than building it yourself, you can just, pay to integrate and of course that's what i think open ai AI are trying to do with their gpt store to i'm not sure how successfully so far but Mm -hmm. so that's something i definitely see continuing like the low-hanging fruit will be commodified and in a way that i think there'll be a bit of a bubble popping where you're getting all these startups that have quite similar ideas um just trying to do something quite basic um, with using an API will be will be having to pivot to something more complex or something more in a certain industry. Um, I, I think that's a big trend. Um, it does seem like the quality of at least OpenAI and like GPT-4 has maybe decreased a bit. There's been quite a lot of discourse around that. Um, and I guess that's a result of safety or trying to control the output um 
I guess we'll see a proliferation of more open source models that don't have those limits mm-hmm. um, and are less, yeah, less bound like that. Um, and probably, I guess we'll see the next generation OpenAI model like, within the next year or two, I would guess. And probably that will blow everyone's minds, I would guess, but we'll see. Yeah, so I, I kind of want to touch on both of these. One is you said uh, commoditization of certain AI applications or ideas. And I, I have to say in the podcasting space, uh, in particular, because I'm pretty connected over there, it seems mm-hmm. like there are a lot of services coming out and the next one's cheaper than the previous one. In mm-hmm. fact, I've seen a few services that have actually cut their prices because they're losing customers to new competitors who will transcribe the podcast or generate titles or descriptions or Mm -hmm. generate artwork or a number of other things that, yeah, it, you know, it was a novel use of it before and you only had a couple of options, but now everybody seems to be able to do it and the barrier to entry is a lot lower. Mm -hmm. 100%. I think that is going to continue to happen um i guess there was there's a period of arbitrage do you call it where some people know about this technology some people don't and i think as Mm -hmm. developers we often sit in that space like what can seem simple to us is actually quite difficult to other people um yep on the other hand i think getting a good output from these ais is not guaranteed at all like hallucination Mm -hmm. is part of how they work um so being able to understand that, limit hallucination, build safety around that is going to continue to be a challenge. Um, no matter how good GPT gets, I don't know really if it will ever be as good if, at knowing that it's hallucinating as, as humans are. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there probably will always be space for devs there. Um, right. Yeah. So the other area that you mentioned was that it's going to get into more, I don't remember the exact word you used, but it sounded like you were saying that it's going to uh, maybe specialize into specific areas that, you know, it doesn't serve well right now. Um, how, how do you see that kind of going? Do you see that as something where somebody branches out and then uses services like chat or open AI to kind of back end some of the AI work or people going to be creating off of existing models with their own data to specialize the use so that it's, Oh, well, this is a a plumbing thing or a fishing thing or another industry thing. Mm -hmm. I think all of the above, like Mm -hmm. I think there will be AIs for specific industries that you'll be able to buy off the shelf. Probably that already exists in some form, but as it gets cheaper and cheaper to train these massive models, I think that's something you'll see, um, I guess, for performing real world tasks and that sort of thing um, in the robotic space. I guess that will proliferate, I would as well. Um, Proliferate. I hear you. Proliferate. Thank you. As an experienced podcaster. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So um, I, I, think you have the right of this um i mean there's obviously no way to know and so you know there may be some variance in timeline or or capability here or there but um i think the next question that i want to ask is 
So I'm I'm a run of the mill Rails developer, right? I write web apps. I you know I pull in kind of the standard stuff to do authentication and queuing and what have you. Um, maybe I have a few things on my back end that I call out to APIs, which Rails is actually really good at. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's where I I agree with you on Rails is or Ruby's place in things is you know hey I can build an API gem just as good as anybody else and mm-hmm. use these tools right. So um, what should I be doing now to be forward thinking for my career mm-hmm. to say, okay, if, um, if AI is an inevitability, right, even if I'm writing a to-do list, of, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to write some kind of AI into my application and I'm going to have to understand it well enough to be able to get it to do the right thing on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. what do I need to know? What do I need to do, you know, now so that when that time comes and I'm interviewing for my next job and they say, what have you done with AI? I don't look at them and go, well, I have, you know, 16 years of Ruby on rails experience, but I haven't had to use AI yet. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a great question. Um, I think contributing to open source is one where you can definitely get a bit of experience um Ruby it, open AI, so, always, so you're talking like the open ai gem or something else or yeah that build or my there's, own? There's a lot of, yeah perhaps yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of projects out there not just api wrappers um as well um, but around databases and other kinds of things um mm-hmm. yeah i think the skills you've got are so valuable and they're not going to go away like just before this call um, I was working for a couple of hours uh, with a developer, one of my clients, um, and we were debugging a performance issue and just like, yeah, I was just showing him how to kind of binary search through the code to figure out the slow part of the code. And I, I think like basic skills like that are not going to go away in their value. Um, but I think knowing where AI can be applied and where it can really add value and where not to use it is a really important skill. Um, so if if you're going to say to a client, yeah, we can just, just use AI to solve all your problems, I, I don't think you're adding much value there, and I don't think that's really true. Um, but if you can say, yeah, we could build you um, something to help your customer service staff ask, answer questions or, or suggest options or something like that using it, an API, um, and you can know how to do that quickly. I think that can be really valuable. Um, and yeah, I guess starting to suggest that to your clients or to your, to your workplace could be a good way to go and getting, getting some experience, just those little integrations. Um, yeah. Um, and just like not discounting how valuable the skills you already have are and how useful mm-hmm. they'll still be. Like it's still engineering. You're still building user interfaces, calling APIs. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, one thing that I've been looking at just for um, top-end devs is, like I said, there are a whole bunch of services out there now that'll transcribe audio. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just hooking into those. Yeah, I'm using an API. I'm not doing anything that's that far off from what I've always normally done, but it seems like it's a good way to get in. And then, yeah, you know, I can go fiddle with the other pieces or contribute back to the open AI gem or some other gem depending mm-hmm. on what I want to do or how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you also mentioned databases. So 
uh, what what are you thinking there? Um, I was just thinking of uh, vector databases. As quite a lot of people have written gems for like Pinecone, Ruby eight. Um, that's yeah, yeah. They work well with making embeddings and quite closely tied to the to the AI, AI space. Um, but yeah, I just think there's so many opportunities and things are changing so quickly at the moment. Um, and there's so much interest, like everyone wants to get a piece of the AI action. Um, and if you, if you can offer a way for them to actually do that at a reasonable cost and really add a lot of value, then I think there's always opportunities to do that. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think there was a, a PG vector that Andrew Kane was putting together. And so, yeah, you know, he's, he's pretty well known in the rails, uh, you know, with search kick and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but yeah, PG vector is basically a vector database that runs inside of Postgres as an extension. Yeah. And so, right. So yeah, I mean, all kinds of stuff there. Right. And so just understanding, Hey, this is how a vector database works. This is how it pulls into, um, uh, into into your application. Here's how to use mm-hmm. it with your AI engine. Yeah, that that's cool stuff too. Mm. And I think starting to learn some of the pitfalls, like how well that might work. Like I've I've used mm-hmm. PG Vector and it's really good. It's a great option and it's really cheap. Just having that knowledge can be really valuable. Right. A lot of people are quite interested in the assistance API, but at the moment I'm recommending people stick to the chats. The OpenAI chat mm-hmm. endpoint because assistance is really complicated to integrate with. It seems to be more expensive generally, and you can't you can't stream stream text from it yet at all. Um, so even just having a bit of having tried to play with that a bit and, and discovered that is really valuable information. I think um, yeah. being able to see through the hype a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. I've also come to understand that a lot of the chatbot AI systems will allow you to import your own data. And mm-hmm. so understanding, hey, here's how you get the data in, here's how you get the data back out. It seems like kind of a fundamental approach on a lot 100%. of that. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, uh, one other question that I have is how do you test this stuff? How do you test these systems? Mm. Yeah, I'm really interested in that. Like, I... I've always been super into TDD ever since uh-huh. I became a developer. Like my, my first dev job, I didn't really know how to code, but I read some blog posts about TDD and it enabled me to write code that works, even though I didn't really know how to do it properly, <laughs> um, which I found mm-hmm. really helpful. And I still do quite a lot of TDD. Obviously the difference is with like generative AI that there's no exact right or wrong. Right. Um, yeah, but I think using evals, um, I don't, maybe we talked about that last podcast, I can't remember, but that's something OpenAI put together, a Python library, mm-hmm. um, which you can use to like test the quality. I think they use it internally to, to test the quality um, of AI output. Um, and I think there's a similar project in Ruby, but that, that's something I'm really interested in, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. how do you monitor the quality of your AI output um, how do you detect that maybe in production your your AI app is giving people bad answers consistently or something's going wrong? Right. 
And I think there will be tools built to do that. I've, yeah, I've thought about trying to build something right in that space, to be honest, with maybe an open source library, a bit like our spec, but for AI. Um, but I don't know, I haven't quite figured out what that would even look like. Right. Really. Um, do you have any thoughts in that area? Or? I don't. I was curious what you were going to. Uh, yeah. Um... I think basically you need a way to say, to grade the results you're getting according right. to like, you need to be able to put in, these are good answers. And then you probably need to use a, a language model to grade the answers the language model mm -hmm. is giving, if that makes sense. And then you can say, okay, yeah. this change I made improved the results or made things worse. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It feels like I might have to check that manually, though. Yeah. Yeah, but at scale, like, if you're building a big yeah. bit of software, you need to, you need a consistent way to be able to make changes right. and judge the quality, right. I think. Well, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I agree with you. I just, yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I've heard... Um, I've heard of people essentially doing something that looks a little bit like... Uh, a, a generative adversarial network where you're not it's not informing the um the result you get from the ai but it's effectively yeah it's another ai that checks the ai yeah right? so so you feed it results and you start telling it this is a good one this is a bad one and then yeah. it's able to come back and say you know this is yeah anyway yeah and maybe in the future we'll have networks of that or yeah, I guess maybe that will be a common part of applications people build is, is to have multiple AIs checking each other um, and reporting on each other. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Sounds kind of terrifying. But yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, have them all talking to each other. So um, I don't know that I have any other questions. Are there any other areas of Ruby that you've been looking at that you're thinking, oh, these advancements look cool or... Uh, you know, this particular area seems to be heading in a direction that's interesting or? Not particularly, like, I'm just interested in, like, what, what's coming up in the future. I, I don't know. What conferences are you going to this this year? Um, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. I might go to Toronto. I think Rails World is in Toronto this year, so yeah, that could be fun. But... Cool. Well, uh, I guess we'll wrap it up, but uh... Yeah, thanks for jumping on and talking to me for a half hour or so. And um, yeah, if people want to check out what you're working on, is there a good place for that? Or uh, yeah, definitely. Um, my website is my name alexrudall.com. Um, that's a l e x r u d a l l dot com. Um, and yeah, I'm also available for hire for consulting projects at the moment. Um, and yeah, and you can find me on X at Alex Rudall as well. And thank you so much for having me on. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this is, I, I'm so fascinated by all of this stuff. So it's its fun to get on and talk to somebody who's doing it day in and day out. So mm. thanks so much.